Welcome into 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Creaseman, and as always, I'm excited to be talking some Colorado Rockies baseball with you here on the show. Rockies lose two out of three over the weekend to the Arizona Diamondbacks and fall to a record of 9-20. and 20. There were some good things that uh, I saw over the weekend. Obviously, there were some bad things that I saw over the weekend. And hey, wouldn't you know it, that's what this show is for, doing the ups and downs. Do have a little bit of a note for you at the beginning here just about where the Rockies are. As I mentioned, at 9-20, and 20, a pretty abysmal 3-10 winning percentage, which you would have thought, well, that's got to make them the worst team in all of baseball, right? But actually, no. Going over to the American League, the Oakland Athletics at 6-23. and 23. That's almost impressively bad. The Kansas City Royals at 7-22, and 22, also worse off. Interestingly enough, there are a couple of National League teams in the picture. The Washington Nationals, as to be expected, at 10-18 and 18 are right there in the neighborhood. The San Francisco Giants, not that much better than your Rockies at 11-17. and 17. And the really strange one is the St. Louis Cardinals currently in the cellar of the National League Central with a record of 10 and 19. Yep, the St. Louis Cardinals are only a half a game worse than your Colorado Actually, no, never mind. It's a full game worse than your Colorado Rockies, but still Wow. Uh, I would expect that to turn around for them. Uh, I would expect them to, in fact, probably get back into postseason contention. But that is that is an awful start for a team that expected to compete this year. And not just, you know, hoping to get into the postseason, but to do bigger and better things after they went out in the first round last year, right? And we all know a certain former Rockies third baseman who's not going to be happy with that situation. Probably, though, the biggest surprise in all of baseball to this point, certainly to me, the biggest surprise. Look, nobody thought Tampa Bay was going to be next to unbeatable, so I guess you could go with that. At 23-6, and six, that's just remarkable. They're the exact opposite of the Oakland A's, in fact. They've been incredible. Uh, Baltimore continues to be good after they took a big step forward last year. They're at 19-9, and nine, so that's kind of interesting over there in the American League. But again, I, I think if you were reading the tea leaves, looking at the good young players they had coming up, you could see that that was a possibility. Minnesota's arguably been a little bit surprising, but not hugely so there. Uh, but for me, it's easily Pittsburgh. Uh, and, and again, something that I don't expect to last, but I, I would actually compare it to what we saw out of Baltimore last year, right? Currently, the Pittsburgh Pirates, and remember how how embarrassing it felt when they came through here and absolutely smacked around the Rockies, and you thought, man, I knew they were going to lose a lot of games, but they're going to lose 14-3 to to the Pirates? Well, they're they're not alone. Uh, Not only are the Pirates 20-9 and uh, with the best record in the National League Central, uh, the Pirates have the best run differential in the National League. They're at plus 48. It's the third best in all of baseball. Texas is at plus 72, and Tampa Bay is at plus 103 (laughs) runs scored already. They're absolutely torching people. Uh, It's pretty amazing to see what Tampa Bay is doing. But but Pittsburgh, yeah, the Pirates, those guys, the, the, the one team that you can usually look over and almost every single year, no matter how bad the Rockies are, at least the Pirates are almost always worse. Uh, but not this season, not so far. Uh, they're there. Like I said, I expect that to level off a little bit, similarly to how Baltimore did last year. But it is being powered by some legitimate young talent. 
Right. So so they're it's not like I do think they're playing over their heads a little bit though. You, you never know. They might be the the darlings of the year. I suspect they'll probably end closer to 500. Again, kind of like Baltimore last year, uh, but they they may be on the verge of being better for the next couple of years, and that would be nice to see because Pittsburgh really is a great baseball town. It it actually is kind of similar to the Rockies in a lot of way where uh, ways where the town loves baseball. Uh, they have their own unique history with the game. They show up when the team is good, and it can be a great environment when the team is good. But they've had so many bad seasons that it can turn pretty ugly pretty quickly. So it's nice to see that from Pittsburgh. Okay, let's do ups and downs for your Rockies and put aside the race for the first overall draft pick for now. Let's begin with a big up, a big encouraging up, since there's not going to be a lot of these and you never know how long this will last. But in the land of good news that the Rockies desperately need, Austin Gomber is one in there, right? I've tried to separate in this early going the difference between when Jose Urania was absolutely terrible, right? And he has since been DFA'd and for good reason. And I could see somebody out there going, why are they hanging on to Gomber? Why Why does Gomber get this long a leash? Or even, you know, with Montero going down, why is Montero's bad defense a reason he needs to go to AAA? But Gomber giving up like nine runs in the first two innings against a team we all thought was bad, but maybe it's not as bad as, <laughs> as we thought. You know, What's going on there, right? And the answer has always been that Gomber just needs more reps and we need more looks at him, all of it, right? That even though he's not young, young anymore, he's in his late 20s now, he is just in his third full season as a starter. And when he goes out there and gets absolutely wrecked, yeah, it's painful to watch, but you do need to give him basically this entire season. You know, I've had people ask, should they send him to AAA? Should they put him in the bullpen? And I honestly think regardless of how good or, or well, good, obviously, in a problem, but however, however bad it gets, unless it gets to the point where it's so bad, you think he's really just done, like you got to cut him entirely. And I don't think that's going to happen, but we'll see. You got to just let him go out there and do it and hope he can find something because you need this guy in some fashion or another to help you turn things around. He doesn't have to be great, but he has to at the very least be a solid four or five guy in your rotation so that you don't need to go out and get another pitcher in the next couple of years if you're trying to be successful. So it's just two outings, but we have two quality starts in a row now from Austin Gomber. His game on the road in Cleveland, five innings pitched, zero earned runs. The first time this year he has not given up a home run. And still the only game this year, I've talked about this a lot with him. It is the thing. So even though his next outing is better in certain peripherals, he goes an extra inning, six innings pitched, and the strikeout to walk ratio better. In Cleveland, three strikeouts, three walks. Back here at home, four strikeouts, two walks. Better there. Gomber really can't be a guy who's issuing free passes, especially if he's going to keep giving up home runs. Now, I will say a couple of caveats. There were some balls hit to the warning track that he got a little bit lucky on. Some pitches where he really didn't fool anybody, and he got away with them. Also, the home run that he gave up in this one to Evan Longoria has not landed yet. Like, it was a no-doubter, an absolute just it 
my goodness gracious type of home run, right? But six innings pitched, one earned run. You will take that out of Austin Gomber, especially at Coors Field. And that quality start, Mark, I know a lot of people feel all kinds of different ways about that statistic, but it's perfect for a guy like Austin Gomber, who you can't expect to go out there and give you seven or eight innings of shutdown baseball. Right, and when you've seen the struggles that he he's had, saying, "Hey, get him five or six innings, three earned runs or less, and you've done your job." More often than not, you'll take that out of Austin Gomber, and to see the the change in confidence, I was happy to see he very openly came out and said, "Yeah, he was struggling mentally with just putting too much pressure on himself, with wanting to." be successful for the team, the the trade, all of it, right? Just wanting to be a guy who contributes to this team. And he hasn't been able to do that for a year plus now. But these last couple of games have been exactly what they need out of Austin Gomber. And if he can just stay in that mode, and honestly, it's been quality pitches, right? It's, It's back to that old conversation of, yeah, he got lucky a couple of times in this most recent outing, like I said, against Arizona. But he also got plenty of legitimate swings and misses, a lot of weak contact, a lot of pitches thrown right where he intended to throw them, and with good movement kind of late in and around the edges of the strike zone. I mentioned the pitch to Longoria. Awful. He's still prone to those mistakes. But you keep the bases clear, you give up a home run or two a game, which amounts to one to three runs, and you get the innings. That's the big thing, right? Get the innings. Five or six innings, you've kept your team in the ball game. They're not going to win a lot this year because, as I'm going to talk about in a minute, the offense continues to, ugh, except for one game there. But, okay, that's about as good a news as you could hope for out of the bottom of the rotation. In fact, if it wasn't for the big number one down I've got to talk about right now, you would suddenly be sitting in a place where Gomber, Feltner, and Noah Davis we're all actually positive news right now. That the bottom three guys in the rotation, just based on what they've done recently, you're like, okay, maybe they got a little something here. But the number one down, of course, from the weekend isn't just that Davis got rocked it in his first start at Coors Field. You can live with that. You can handle that. The injury is brutal. And you got to hope that it's as unserious as possible. Um, that's the last thing you want for a guy who's in a groove. Uh, and, I, and I know he was getting knocked around. I don't know how much of it had to do with the injury. Sometimes it happens. There was some bad luck in there. I'm not going to overly analyze a two-inning, seven-run performance, whatever it was. The, the, it's just a real bummer for him, for the organization, for fans, for everybody involved. Uh, I, I said to somebody when that news, I was standing right next to somebody, I, I won't say who, down at the park when that news came out, and I just turned and looked at him and said, well, that was a nice couple of games while it lasted, right? It was just, I, I had written my headline for when I spoke with him and, and wrote on milehighsports.com was, Noah Davis brings a breath of fresh air to the Rockies, right? It was something to look at and get excited about and dream on a little bit. And now it, it as soon as it was there, it's gone. And so that's super frustrating, Um Again, even just from an analytical standpoint, not because, well, the Rockies are going to lose more games without him, which if it's possible to lose more, which Oakland and Kansas City prove that it is, uh, <laughs> you, you then then okay. 
But I'm less concerned about that and more that, again, they're missing out on opportunities to define and build upon whatever those building blocks are going to be for the future. And Noah Davis was a guy that coming into this season, I personally hadn't considered to be a potential building block for the future. But he might be. And the only way we're going to know that is to see him pitch as much as we can this year and and learn about him. So for him to get hurt right after three starts is just... Damn it. That's brutal. Uh, so you got to hope he gets back out there soon for everyone's sake. Right? All right. Number two up for this one is the return of Randall Gritchick. He comes off the IL. He's hitting 500 in his first couple of games. But, he, but he's hitting the ball hard, too. Even some of his outs. He's got some line drive outs in there. He looks good. I mean, the, the high socks and the glasses. I've always been a fan of Randall Gritchick's look. But no, he, he looks good at the plate. He looks like he's in a good spot as a ball player. And this actually creates a really, really nice situation for the Rockies where if they're going to play this out properly, and, you know, I, I've looked around and talked around and, and asked around about this a little bit, and there's some flavor in the air that maybe this is what the Rockies are willing to... Like, obviously, the proof has to be in the pudding, right? If they're going to trade the veterans, they have to trade the veterans. So I don't want to blow you away with my tautological truths here. But the Rockies need to trade these guys at some point. I'm with the crowd that wishes that right now the team was made up of Michael Tolia and Nolan Jones and Alaris Montero... And so on. Now, Zach Veen's got a hit before he can get here. You can't just say, well, he looked like the heir apparent in spring training. He's hitting a buck 40 in double A, so just bring him up anyway. Like, no, 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 no. So other guys, though, are obviously all like raking in triple A and, and the whole thing, right? So if you can get good performance, and I've seen recently much better at, like, Mike Moustakis doesn't have massive numbers, but he's putting together really good at-bats. He's hitting the ball hard. Anyone who's scouting Mike Moustakis, especially for a team that's looking for a lefty power bat, uh, off the bench isn't really a thing. i got to modernize my brain in that way that nobody has that in the National League anymore, but a DH type of guy. And, and there is still need for bat off the bench type of guys, especially for teams that are trying to absolutely maximize their roster for a postseason run. Moustakis and Profar guys I think are going to have value at the trade deadline. Randall Gritchick is a guy I kept forgetting to include in that conversation, not because I kept forgetting he was on the roster, just, you know, out of sight, out of mind kind of thing. Now that he's back, he starts hitting the ball hard around the park. I go, there's another guy who, especially if he can get hot, can absolutely prove to be a value for a team in the hunt. And again, I separate these guys from Charlie Blackman, C.J. Crone, you know, guys who have really... Obviously, Charlie Blackman means a great deal to the organization. Probably but when it's all said and done, will be number two on pretty much every you know list of uh, a position player can have after Todd Helton and, and most of them. Um, but this is these guys are not that, right? These are guys who are more in the Michael Givens category. Veteran players who come in and done all right here, but they don't have a long-term attachment to them. And so they'll be willing to part ways with them they have to be performing well. They have to be, you know, but you don't have to get a ton for them either. So if you can move those guys out, bring in some something, a couple of relievers here and there, you're not going to get top end prospects for any of these guys. But obviously, the better they're playing, the the more you can ask for. And so uh, 
particularly with Gritchick, it was nice to see him come out and kind of showcase himself a little bit, right? Because that's what I think I'd even kind of forgotten to include in, in the equation. So while the Rockies won't have, you know, that one guy who's going to land him a top prospect, unless, you know, Crone gets really hot or Bard and, the, and they want to consider that, maybe you can get a B plus, A minus prospect out of those guys. But for the most part, I think you're looking at these veteran players and I think you can get something for them. And if they do that and then turn it over to the youth around the deadline, I will have wished they'd done it earlier. Everyone will have wished they'd done it earlier, but it may turn out being just fine that they delayed the whole thing by two months, got something out of these veterans and gave those young players even more opportunity to be the absolute most ready they can be. Uh, when it's time for them to take over on a full-time basis. All right, uh, the second down I've got for you, I've kind of mentioned this a little bit here and there, but the the lack of offense, again, can only scoring one run in the first game. Uh, They did break out in the last one, so, uh, you know, I'm curious to see if that can continue in their series against Milwaukee. Did do have an off day for a little bit frustrating there when you finally break out for 12 runs and then it's like, all right, now everybody sit. <laughs> so, you know, that's the one time you're like, oh man, really didn't need the off day. Could have gone, you know, you need the off day when you haven't <laughs> scored more than two runs in a game in a week and, you know, you're really eating it, but they're feeling good in that final Sunday game. Uh, you can you gotta hope that they can continue some of the momentum there again for not just not to win the ball games necessarily. If you want that, sure, good, fine. I'm not saying you shouldn't, but you know, for for showcasing these veterans when they get hits and for hoping that you know this is my final down for you too. I'll just go right into the third down because these kind of go together. Still waiting on breakout performances like something from Ezekiel Tovar he's he's, you know he's still looking to get hot and still having some rough at bats but then some good ones in there and I guess that's the life of the young player right but there really hasn't been a whole lot to hang your hat on in terms of position players uh, getting excited for them and what they're bringing for the future I do think Tovar's continued to look fantastic on defense over the weekend he made a couple of plays that were a lot harder than they looked look easy I guess again with a tautological truth there he he made them look very easy when they weren't but yeah you're, you're there's just nothing really to get excited about from a position player standpoint right now uh, beyond maybe some of these veterans performing well enough that they can get traded and that's that's kind of frustrating so hopefully they can keep that momentum going for you uh from Sunday and we'll have something to talk about from an offensive standpoint. The handful of things that you do have, here's my last up. These are the exceptions to what I was just talking about. Elias Diaz is hitting the ball incredibly well. He's hitting the ball hard. Uh, 321 batting average on the season so far. Charlie Blackman continues to look pretty good. Hitting 276. Again, some, some quality line drives. And Chris Bryant in there at 297. Still waiting for the power surge from him, but at least you've, those are some guys that... Uh, if you just enjoy watching some quality at bats, those are the three guys who are giving you quality at bats right now. And they continue to do so. And so that's been nice to see. But those are my ups and downs for you for the series against the Diamondbacks. Not a particularly exciting one other than obviously that, that final game where they finally managed to break out, get into double digits in terms of runs scored. Uh, just kind of have an all-around really well-played game. 
despite the fact the bullpen gave up a couple of runs. At least they were throwing strikes, you know, all that kind of thing. So we'll see how they do. Three-gamer against Milwaukee, and then it's on the road to New York and those incredibly hot Pittsburgh Pirates. So we'll see what happens there. Thank you all for listening in to this episode of 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I hope you will check out all the other podcasts here on the network. And other than that, continue to be absolutely awesome out there. I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.